You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. This is Chad. I'm Chris. And I'm Daniel. And with us tonight for the very first time, but hopefully not the last, is a independent film producer. She is a mom. She is a former basketball player. She's all the things, lover of cinema. And that is Miss April Renning. How are you, April? Hey, I'm doing good. We are super pumped to have you here tonight on your very first show. So how is it going so far? It's going great. Nothing's yep. messed up yet. So we're Well, there's good. lots of time left. Lots <laughs> of time left. So uh, April is uh, an acquaintance of ours. We've been fortunate enough to work together on some projects in the past. And when we put out the all call for any female co-host that may be interested, she was the one that sprung right to the top of the list. So we, in all seriousness, are very excited to have her tonight and get her point of view. But before we get into the rest of the show, let me remind everyone that you can find us on social media at Facebook. Look for the Screeners Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at ScreenersCast. And if you'd like to email us, you can send that email to ScreenersCast at gmail.com. So guys, anything we want to talk about today before we jump into the review of Captain Marvel? Actually, yes. So on our last episode, we talked about the whole Spielberg Netflix showdown that was going on. Um, and I, I, think, I thought it was a great discussion. But uh, apparently, have you guys heard that that whole showdown might not even be real? Have you heard about this? It's a lie. So lie. wait a minute, Daniel. Are you saying that not all news on the Internet is true? Believe it or not. <laughs> yes. I don't know. They should come up with a term for that. But yes. So apparently uh, Spielberg has now said that there was no it was all kind of just something that got spun out of control. He's obviously he has for real made comments about Netflix in the past. And so people just kind of heard the news and and it snowballed. But apparently he's not going to any Academy meeting and pitching new rules. But there's been very few official comments either way so it's kind of all a big mystery on what what happened what is real so either way i think it was still a a good topic that needs to be discussed about is netflix should netflix qualify for oscars and all that who knows what's the truth in that whole situation as of now so i just wanted to bring that up and bring a little clarity to our last discussion this sounds like the academy just quickly changing their minds yet again this sounds like oh oh, (laughs) yes I'm going to be honest, I'm super disappointed because I was ready to see Spielberg go to war with the Academy just to see what would happen. It would be fun. <laughs> I personally think if the movie is good enough and well-made enough, I don't think it should be disqualified just because of the channel it was delivered in. My gotcha. personal you're on, opinion. So you're on Chris's side, so this is definitely yes. not going to work out. <laughs> so, uh, if there's no further comments, then we're going to jump into our main event review of Captain Marvel. Your life began the day it nearly ended. We found you. With no memory, we made you one of us. So you could live longer, stronger, superior. You were reborn. I keep having these memories. Something in my past is the key to all of this. You know how to fly this thing? We'll see. That's a yes or no question. Yes. 
All right, The House of the Mouse is back. Marvel Studios is uh, releasing another behemoth of a film in Captain Marvel. Uh, The IMDb summary is as follows. Carol Danvers becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. It stars Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, and I cannot wait to hear what you guys thought of Captain Marvel. It's pretty uh, divisive, I guess, online at the moment, and uh, I can't wait to see where you guys landed uh, in uh, in Captain Marvel. So why don't we start with Daniel? I want to know what you think, man, about Captain Marvel. I guess, you know, there's so many of these Marvel Studios films. Maybe just give us a brief kind of where you're at with Marvel right now. Okay. Are you burnt out? And then let us know what you think of uh, of the newest film. Good question. I'm burnt out on Marvel. This is, I believe, is this the 22nd Marvel film? I believe this is the the number. Who who knows? There's too many to count at this yes. point. There's just too many. Um, yeah, we can, who can count past 20? It's just, it can't be done. So I, uh, overall, you know, I was ready maybe a year ago to say <laughs> that I, I'm burnt out on Marvel. And then Black Panther came out, and mm. I absolutely love Black Panther. Made my top ten of last year. And then Infinity War came out, and I loved Infinity War. You know, for for what it is, for being a, a part one, uh, I think it's great. Uh, and then Ant Man came out, Ant Man and the Wasp, I should say, and and I, that was back to kind of lower tier kind of Marvel. So I think it's just hit or miss at this point. You know, they release generally three movies a year now. I think some of them are great and some of them are fine. Um, Very rarely does Marvel make a truly bad movie, but some of them are just fine. Enter Captain Marvel. And I think Captain Marvel is just fine. I think it is fine. I, I don't love it. But I did enjoy the movie overall. Like I said, Marvel rarely makes a bad film, and this certainly is not bad. I would never say that this is a bad film. I think it's great. Or I, I think it's good, not quite great. Uh, you know, I have a ranking of my MCU films on Letterboxd, and Captain Marvel is, is kind of in the lower middle of the list. I, I can't remember exactly what number I put it at, but it's kind of lower middle. So it's a good film, but has some problems. Let's start with the positives, though. Brie Larson is fantastic. I think she's just a fantastic actress overall. And she brings this level of, like, like quiet power uh, to this role. She's not necessarily as charismatic as many of the MCU stars, but I mean that in a good way. Like, she brings a new type of personality to the group. Um, and so I think, she, I think she's really great for the role. I think she's a great pick. And she does really well with the character. And I think the way that she and Nick Fury play off each other is fantastic. That's that's the best part of the film, in my opinion. The, the kind of buddy comedy going on with Danvers and Nick Fury, I think, was wonderful. It was kind of more, uh, it was just as much a Nick Fury origin story as it was a Carol Danvers origin. So I thought that was really charming. I liked some of the twists, especially with uh, Ben Mendelsohn's character that we're going to get to. And we can dive into that later on. But there are some negatives. I think the first 20 or 30 minutes of this movie, are, are th- those are really bad. I thought the first part of this movie was very rough. They were trying to emulate this amnesia and memory loss that Danvers has, but they, didn't, they never brought the audience along with them. And so it was disjointed, confusing, and just really poorly done for the first 30 minutes or so. And it definitely got better. Uh, once they kind of really, the story started clicking along, um, once, once Danvers got to Earth, it was a, it was a lot more smooth. But th- that was a rough beginning. And then there are classic prequel problems. Anytime we review a prequel on here, I always bring these things up. It's just that there are questions raised that don't make any sense. Like, why in the world would Nick Fury not call Captain Marvel 
in during the first Avengers movie. That doesn't make any sense. Aliens are destroying the Earth, and he doesn't call in Captain Marvel. Why wouldn't Tony Stark know who she is? There are all these questions that I that just bother me, and maybe those are nitpicky, but I don't care. I'm going to bring them up anyway. So yeah. <laughs> The story story was fine. The the twists were f- worked for me, but easily the best part of this movie is is Captain Marvel herself. And so I think the movie's good. I think it's very enjoyable, very entertaining, and a fun movie overall. Even though it's a little bit on the forgettable side. Gotcha. All right, April, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I can't <laughs> wait to hear what you thought of Captain Marvel. So maybe give us a little bit of a history with uh, you and Marvel Studios. And okay. then dive into your thoughts on Captain Marvel. And spoiler free, I should stay for right spoiler now. Spoiler free. Got yes, it. it can. Yes. Yep. So I've seen all the Marvel movies. I know a little-ish bit comic book-wise, but not a ton. And actually, I kind of agree with Daniel. As he was talking, I really thought Black Panther was the one that kind of got me back in it. I was kind of getting annoyed with them. But I say I'm annoyed and done with them, and I always see all of them. And usually when I'm in it, I'm like, I'm glad I'm watching it. So... always come back to it. I was really anticipating Captain Marvel being the first female lead of the series. And honestly, I will say the trailer threw me a little bit. I was, I kind of went in with low expectations, even though I was excited about it. I just thought that the way they did the trailer, there were some cheesy moments. So Captain Marvel overall, I would say I actually really enjoyed it. it. It was really fun. Um, I agree with Daniel. The first, for me, it was like the first 15, 20 minutes was, it was hard to get in. But I also feel like the writers and directors had a really tough task ahead of them because they had to set up an entire backstory and exposition for a brand new character that, honestly, I really didn't know anything about. They had a really tough job ahead of them. I'm not, they obviously didn't do it super well, but I don't know. I, I don't know that they could have done it any better necessarily, given the time constraints they had to do an entire backstory. All that to say, once I was about 15, 20 minutes in, I really got into it and I enjoyed it. And I think Brie Larson did a really good job most of the time, but there were a few parts I thought she kind of fell flat personally. Overall, and I, I can go into more detail and spoilers, but overall, I, I really enjoyed it. All right. So two mostly positive yet kind of pensive thoughts on on captain marvel so far chad what about you did you just do you love this movie was it like your favorite thing ever yes i'm glad it's literally my favorite thing i thought i would be as soon as I, I came out of this theater i was like ah chad's gonna love this movie of this all is a time chad movie. of all time <laughs> my history with marvel is very much like everyone else's i am not necessarily excited by these films anymore, but I'm always going to see them. And then when I'm in them, for the most part, I'm typically glad that I saw them. I, I agree with that assessment by April. This one, however, I was more interested in than your typical Marvel release, just from the standpoint of, uh, and without going into spoilers necessarily for Infinity War, I felt that this film has a lot to do with what's about to come with Endgame. And so I was interested from that standpoint, for sure. The controversy, which I'm sure we'll unpack a little bit in the uh, in the spoiler section, couldn't I really couldn't care less about any of that. Uh, I think we've established on here that uh, at, in 2019 that the internet fanboy trolls are just going to be what they're going to be. So I, I just ignore that noise and just go into the to this film and hoping to love it, just like I do every movie. But I didn't love this movie. Uh, I think this movie is good. I think it has moments that are really great. And honestly, 
I think I think probably what pushed it down even maybe a little lower for me than it maybe would have been is I think it's a I think there's a pretty significant missed opportunity because I don't feel like there's a lot of nuance in this movie which is surprising based on the directors the directors are known for a, a lot of character driven uh, movies that they've done together uh, without going into spoilers for example there's there's a respite in in this movie where we get kind of like a movie within a movie and I won't I won't spoil it, but it, it kind of slows down for a little bit, and we spend some time with a family, and that, for me, was one of my favorite parts of the movie because we actually got to mm. learn a little mm-hmm. bit about these characters. Totally. But for the rest of this movie, it's very much plot by plot, point by point driven, and there are a lot of things that happen in this film just because the script needs them to happen. There's a lot of convenience that happens where characters will inexplicably just be somewhere that they weren't and things will happen just because the plot needs to advance in that sense it's pretty annoying it's clear that this movie one of the themes of this movie and that's another problem of the movie is it has a lot of different themes that i think it's espousing but one of them and that's the 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 theme of empowerment and specifically female empowerment which i think is a wonderful and worthy theme instead of taking a more nuanced approach it's fairly heavy-handed in the way that they make sure that you understand what it's happening, whether that's from dialogue that happens between one character and another, or the way that a character is treated or things that they, that they say. And again, it's hard to talk about without being specific, but I feel like this movie just beats you over the head with a lot of that. And it could have been much more impactful if it had been more interested in developing these characters and letting all of that theme develop organically so that the audience takes it away through the through the narrative journey as opposed to just hey this is happening because we say it's you know a good thing overall though I I think it's very much one of those situations where I just walked out and thought I almost needed to see this movie to appreciate what's going to happen with Endgame but outside of that I think as an origin story origin story it's just somewhat bland it's Mm. just somewhat mediocre i don't think they develop the main character i think the villain in this movie is is somewhat weak and but didn't have to be uh i do agree with daniel that there are some twists and turns in this movie that i didn't see coming that i really enjoyed there's a lot of tonal shifts too where it goes from deadly serious to really silly very quickly and some of the humor is good but some of the humor is not so good so it's just one of those things i think it was just a mixed bag i think the potential was there for this to be really great but for me just sort of okay it's fine i'm not mad at it but i certainly don't love it okay yeah i think everybody has a very similar outlook towards captain marvel so far anyway let me just give my brief thoughts and then we'll move into spoilers for me i'm definitely burnt out on marvel infinity war i thought was pretty terrible i did not I still enjoy don't understand that that still film still it breaks um, my mind I know. <laughs> I know it does uh, i just you know it just wasn't all that interesting it wasn't really a movie it was just a series of scenes for me i was hoping captain marvel uh would kind of be a more a tonal shift towards like a thor ragnarok uh which i had a blast with really enjoyed that film and that may have been my last marvel movie that i really truly like was amped for and really enjoyed. And there are several moments in this film that I think they were trying to approach with that level of humor and silliness, but just didn't quite 
get there. Uh, they didn't quite hit uh, hit hit the goalposts like they they really wanted to. So let me just start off with the good uh, first. The production value in this is unbelievable. Uh, this movie looks fantastic. It is definitely slick and well made. Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, I really enjoyed Samuel Jackson's performance. I think he is fun. Uh, the visual effects on him, the de aging stuff, is insanely great i never thought to myself this is a however old he is was he 70 something years old uh, he he looks pretty great in this film and then i think the the, sh the best part of this film by a mile uh is ben mendelson uh and his character this the scroll that he plays he is it is fantastic in fact i think that entire storyline is my favorite thing about this film um if we could have focused um, more on that, I would have I, I would have really been happy. I think that that whole thing is wonderful and unexpected, uh, meaningful, hopeful. It's just it's just it's crazy. It's it's really it's it's something that I was not expecting to to like a villain in that way. It was just it was it was really great. So that that for me was my my favorite bit. Okay, so now the things I didn't really like that didn't work for me, I should say, Brie Larson. I don't know. You mentioned a little bit. Uh, I think everybody mentioned it a little bit in, in their reviews, but I just she didn't quite get there for me. Um, and I don't know if it's just because she wasn't being charismatic enough. There felt like in some scenes that like she was trying to be charismatic and funny, but most of it just fell flat. She seemed kind of cold. I just I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know what it was about it that really I didn't care for. But maybe, you know, seeing her in the future uh, stuff, maybe that'll change. Uh, but here for me, it just wasn't it wasn't enough for me to feel like, yeah, I want to go on more adventures with with Captain Marvel. Unfortunately, you know, this movie felt a little more like a kid's film to me. And I'm not sure I can take my kids to it. I'm, I, I think we may try, actually. Um, there are a few curse words, uh, but they're not anything terrible. It's a lot milder of a film. And I don't know if they did that on purpose so that, you know, young you know, girls would want to come to this film and could actually come. Uh, but I might take my kids. I think they're going to love it. I think they're going to have a blast. Although, like you said, the first 20 minutes of this movie, they're probably going to be quite confused. <laughs> like, what is this? What's going on right now? I thought I was going to see you. <laughs> anyway, that that bit was was pretty rough. And then everything having to do with the fact that this was a prequel is my biggest, yeah. biggest complaint. Um, I don't know why we have to do this. Uh, why can't we just tell original stories if you're going to shoehorn stuff in just do it within the current time frame or later i just it feels so oh just i don't know hand wavy like oh we're gonna whatever the quote-unquote retcon uh mm -hmm. this bit of it and um we're gonna explain why you know this character acts that way haha <laughs> aren't we funny and clever and it's just kind of like eye winky stuff that just is not it doesn't work for me. It's the same problems I have when we're on the Sister pro uh, Podcast. We talk about Star Trek Discovery. It's the same issues that I have most of the time with Discovery is when they're trying to fit what is, what's what happened a long time ago and with what you know will happen afterward. And that's exactly what the, my biggest problems with this as far as like nerdy stuff goes. Knowing where things are going, we know the next, whatever it is, 20 years after this movie takes place in the chronology of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it just isn't all that interesting to me, unfortunately. So those are my thoughts. I, I overall really, it was fine. It was okay. It was a, it was a good movie. It worked. Um, it looks fantastic, but it just doesn't ever rise above 
just kind of a, a mediocre kind of film. And I think the middle of the pack is is about right uh, for Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel in the MCU. All of us, I think, are pretty lukewarm on this movie, but I think we should dive into spoilers just to get a better idea of why we felt that way. So if you've seen the film, stick around uh, for that. But before we do, I wanted to get our kind of uh, review system here on the screener. So do we think we should see this in the, in the theater? Do we think we should wait uh, until we can rent it at home screen it from you know a service we already uh, subscribe to like netflix or just skip it all together daniel what do you say man anybody who's gonna see it in theaters has seen it in theaters i mean this th- yes. we should say that this is doing very very yes. well at the box office i believe last time i saw it it was over 500 million worldwide already it's doing very well i think it was the second best uh debut for a marvel or origin story so it's doing great. It doesn't need any more money. It's doing fine. I think it's the second best overall. Right, it's right behind um, Infinity War. I think is it if okay? I, I I believe so. Yes. I, I thought it was still behind there. Black Panther, but I'm not we'll see. positive. Either way, it's doing very well. And so uh, my answer, Chad always makes fun of me because I don't. I never give a straight answer, uh, and I'm having a hard so time. With, start now. <laughs> I'm having a, there's there's a literally hard time. four options. Just choose yeah. one. Uh, so I, I, I would say it's theater worthy. I would say there's not a lot else worth seeing in the theater right now. And it's a big, it's a big superhero movie. If you're going to see these, you might as well see it on the big screen. So, um, even though you, you don't need to rush out, uh, it's still worth seeing on the big screen. Got it. All right, April, what say you? Yeah, I think just the special effects in it were really cool that I think it's worth seeing on the big screen. And I would definitely say if you have daughters that are old enough to watch it i remember while i was watching i was thinking i wish my daughter was old enough that i could take her to watch this the messaging that was in it i enjoyed that's can my i ask how old your daughters are if you don't mind me asking i have one who is two and a half and okay. then i have one due in three weeks oh wow oh, all right my goodness yeah. all right she well congratulations child birth i'll get on here and record <laughs> this podcast <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got a nine and a seven year old. Um, so I'm trying to decide, I think the nine year old will probably be okay. And I think the seven year old will absolutely love it. It's so funny how that, you know, sometimes age doesn't matter, but yes, the, the girl power in this movie, as I was watching it, I had similar, like, Oh man, I want my girls to watch this. They would love it. All right, Chad, how about you? So unlike Daniel, I will give an answer. (laughs) I gave one answer. Daniel was like, I mean, there's not really anything else to see, so maybe you should see this. (laughs) I think as far as theater worthiness, this is at the bottom of that scale for me, but it's still in there. Mm. So I had a good time. There were moments that I enjoyed, and I left overall feeling positive toward the film. So I would say it's theater worthy, but just barely. And I'm going to cheat a little bit here because, you know, I am a subscriber to A-List. Um, so that means I'm already paying for a film. And if you're already paying, you might as well see this movie, especially in IMAX. I had a blast. Uh, it, it is definitely a spectacle film. And so if you're willing to look past uh, the kind of rough spots and uh, rough edges and not quite complete story, I think you're going to have a good time. Just don't expect it to be the most amazing thing you've ever seen. It's not innovative in any way, but it's definitely worth seeing in the theaters. And with that, let's go ahead and move into spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? There's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. 
However, the reason the Führers brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware of what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. All right. So now we're going to talk about spoilers. Um, does Marvel now have a Superman problem? Uh, that's kind of what I want to talk about first. What do you guys think? Is is Captain Marvel too powerful? Does this this feels yes. a lot like Batman versus Superman to me, where we've got this like random like super being now? And what are we gonna what, what are we gonna do? What is Captain Marvel two gonna look like? What is what are we gonna do next? What what's happening here, guys? What's happening? First of all, I'm offended at the word Superman and problem in the same sentence. <laughs> Stay well, away I, from oh, my I'm, Superman. I'm just saying she's um, too powerful, right? I mean, she she literally was smashing through spaceships. She can do anything. I mean, isn't that a problem? <laughs> maybe maybe I missed it. She is something. leaps and bounds more powerful than anybody we've ever seen, villain or hero, in any Marvel movie thus far, which is both a prequel problem, because why didn't she just save the Earth from all of the previous uh, issues we've had? And... Right. How is any Marvel movie going to make any sense at all without Captain Marvel? Because she she can just end the movie in 10 minutes. So, yes, absolutely, that's a problem. My, my biggest issue here, and this is the reason why I bring it up, in spoilers specifically, and I didn't bring it up before, is because the end moment of this film, uh, or the whatever you want to call it, the uh, bonus scene, mid-credit sequence, is her showing up with the Avengers, right? So... Now we know that when Endgame begins, Carol Danvers will already be among the Avengers. Or at some point in the film, she'll she'll definitely have shown up. So we know that she's going to be there. We know her, her powers. Obviously, killing Thanos isn't the answer to everything, but I think she wouldn't have a problem doing so. So I don't know. It just For me, it just yeah, feels anticlimactic. I, I don't know that we know that she wouldn't have a problem doing so. I, I mean, I definitely agree that... If you're going to have a character who has godlike powers, then you have to at least make the character interesting, which is the Superman problem. Right. I think the problem with this character in specific is that I never really got a great sense of what her powers were right. or yeah. what the scope yeah. of her powers That's were. Because it yes. seemed like she went from fire hands to God in no time and it was just all of a sudden she had this immaculate understanding of her, her powers and how to use them and... And I just don't have an idea of what she can and cannot do other than she's obviously capable of flying through intergalactic space (laughs) and ripping ships out of the sky and all this other stuff. And so I I do think the problem for me, and I, I think it's more of a problem with this movie, is I don't think it did a very good job of humanizing her right? so that we cared about it. I think part of what, and I don't want to speak for you, Chris, but I think part of what bothered you about her stoic quote unquote performance uh, bothered bothered me in in the way that she appears to be I like kind of the quiet dignity that she has but the the problem that you have there is we never really get a sense of who she is as a character except in those flashbacks and those flashbacks are brief mm-hmm. and then I believe that the the whole scene with her her best friend the 
Air Force pilot friend and her daughter, which again were my favorite was my favorite part of the movie, when we're actually learning about the character, even when she learns all of these different things as it happens, for example, when we learn that the Kree are bad and she's been lied to, there's not really much of a reaction there other than, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll switch sides now. <laughs> Everything is just kind of underplayed right. until she wakes up and she's like kind of above everything. She's so good right. and so pure right from the outset that it's hard to get invested into where she goes at the end, which is what I was talking about with the missed opportunity is it feels like we go from zero to a hundred right away without a lot of the, the subtext that would have made that really meaningful. Uh, yeah. And I have no idea how strong she is. Maybe she is the strongest thing ever. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where they're going to go from there, but I do feel like they left enough open because she didn't really get to the full powerfulness of herself until the very end. So I think right. they left enough space to where she could have a weakness of some point that they just didn't get to in the film. I don't know what that is. I hope she I like has that. some kind of weakness. Just... I I like that pun. You said they left enough space. Oh, they did yeah. leave enough space. Yeah, you yes. said that. I there totally did that whole... on purpose, of course. I know. No, I appreciate that. I do. <laughs> it was nice seeing an invincible woman, I guess. But, True. But other than that, I kind of agree. She, For being as human as she was, suppose before she got her powers, she definitely lacked showing the human emotion. But I think it's just because we didn't really see her until she was already a space cadet or Cree, lack of a better word. But I will say, I actually agree with Chad and those moments when she's with her friend Maria's family. There's this one scene where they're outside and it's just a beautiful sunset and it felt mm -hmm. very real. And I thought that was the best acted piece by her yep. in the whole thing. It like I, I connected with her in that moment when her friend's telling her who she is. And that was the most human-like that I felt the whole movie was. And, and also, that was a stunningly beautiful scene, too. It was gorgeous. It Gorgeously was just shot beautiful. Shot. But I'll also say, too, I think I didn't have as much of a problem with her invincibility because it was so brief. And for the most part, they were pretty low stakes. So you don't see her just completely showing off of other than like the two minutes where Ronan's about to destroy everything, which, of course, Earth is about to be destroyed because it's a Marvel movie. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, I think just because they it kept it kind of minimal, it didn't bother me as much as a lot of Superman movies do. But I'm very curious to see how it plays out in Endgame. They're going to have to find a way to put those arm handcuffs back on her, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because there, obviously there's got to be something that is going to weaken her or cause her to have to go to some faraway place. Because if she's always available... And seemingly, you know, within a couple of days, you know, she can be called. If there's ever a real big issue, what would ever stop the Avengers from just calling her? You know what I mean? Like, yep. if, if the Chitari in, invasion of New York, like, if they would have just called her then, it would have been <laughs> exactly, over. Or the, exactly. That one or wasn't the, an emergency. Right, exactly. That, that, <laughs> it was just New York, guys. Who cares about New York? in the sky. It's okay. Yeah, and very obviously, Captain Marvel 2 will show the reasons why. It, you know, it'll be some kind of prequel or flashback. It'll show that she's been in captivity or she's been doing whatever uh, that prevented her from being called. But it, 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 it'll just be shoehorned in. It'll just be like, uh, here's why. And and it, it just it's just kind of silly to me. So those are classic prequel problems. I have those yeah. same problems with most any prequel but it still it still bugs the crap out of me absolutely i mean they set up for an interconnect yeah, they set up an interconnected universe you know 
and and it's you know it's never been done before a, a universe like this has never been made and so these are the problems that come with it but you know if this is what they want to do if they they chose to set that movie in the 90s they didn't have to it, it's fine like it obviously that didn't take the movie it's, it's fine it's just those problems are real i did yeah. love all the 90s nostalgia though it oh was, totally yes. it, was, it, was great. it was great it was great it, <laughs> Except I, I was listening to a review of this film, and I do agree. The I'm Just a Girl uh, song that plays very loudly at the end of this film, Gwen Stefani song, uh, I was not a fan of. It It felt so just obnoxious uh, to me and like over the top and like literally like ham-fisted, like get it, get it. Cause it, it's nineties. And yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't care that for that too much, but everything else, the blockbuster video thing was funny. The radio shack stuff, the rest of the soundtracks uh, choices were, where I thought delightful and fun. Let's yeah. talk about the, uh, the post-credit scene where Captain Marvel shows up the, the Avengers yes. who, who aren't dust yes. uh, called her and, Somehow they got a hold of the pager that Nick Fury dropped at the end of Infinity War, and now they've called Captain Marvel and she shows up. Yes, that's so convenient and oh easy, but that was a pretty great uh, credit scene. Um, Chris, what did you think of that? Since you, for whatever reason, hated Infinity War, what did you think of that scene? So what? The only thing that would make that interesting is if uh, the beginning of Infinity War, I mean, whatever we call it, Endgame happens, and we find out that that... Thing that we just saw at the end of this movie was actually a scroll in disguise. Um, that's the only thing that would like make that like yes, yes. Come on, that was um, good, Chris. I think you're giving her I, I, the, the idea that she's just going to come in and just wreck the floor with <laughs> Thanos is a crazy idea. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Well, no, that's my point. Is is that if it's it's a scroll like in disguise, and they think that she's got some amazing like ability, but she's not. She's just you know. The scroll because we've already seen a scroll impersonate her so wouldn't it be interesting if that was that person instead it's still interesting without that though well i kind of but i mean i'm just saying again like what will make this move what will make endgame infinitely less interesting to me is if there is a carol danvers captain marvel person that can just literally is so powerful the moment that they you know just she can do anything it's not gonna happen do anything. Chris. Yeah. and we don't know that what do you mean it's saying, not gonna happen it happens the, the movie is gonna be three hours long it's not just gonna be over in five minutes so there's gonna be some kind of conflict some kind of weakness some kind of showdown oh well of course well here's the thing is, is that she can go kill Th- my point is is that she can just go th- kill Thanos and that's fine that, that's not gonna solve the problem of course they're gonna have to go through some time shifting slash you know, dimension finding slash going to the small place that Ant-Man subatomic, whatever, blah, blah, blahs. Yes. All that's going to happen. I'm just saying that after the fact, after they've solved everything and Thanos is like, I'm so sorry. All she's going to have to do is either like fly through him or take him to another planet. It's just, she can solve through force. Any, any problem that is required, uh, that's crazy force talk. applied you have no idea captain marvel true. has more than enough force is is my is my point here of course there's conflict of course there's gonna be a three-hour movie but i mean it's captain marvel just makes things a little less um the the the, the threshold of oh is something bad gonna happen goes down when captain marvel is around in my in my opinion all right so the only other thing i want to talk about and obviously you know we can i don't know if there's anything else you guys want to so before i get to the other thing I wanted to chat about, what else did you guys want to discuss in, in spoilers? Anything? Well, I am interested in April's perspective on the standing up moment at the end where she comes into her powers. Cause there's been, I've read a lot online about people's 
reading and interpretation of that where you get the flashbacks and she's standing up, standing up, standing up, and then she stands up and gets her whole power. Was that inspirational to you? Did you like that? Did you feel like that message landed home in that moment? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely landed for me. I mean, at this state in life, I'm thinking about my daughter and then my almost daughter that's here. And honestly, the the way that they showed that with her getting up as a as a little girl and as she was getting older, I think really showed her humanity a little bit. So I liked the montage before she got up, but then <laughs> it was just kind of funny to me because I was like, well, most of us don't get up and become invincible. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I that liked the message, but it did fall. I don't know. I, I, I'll just say I like the message. I may or may not have like cried at that moment. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to say that I did. That would be, but I did. It was so. very emotional. And I thought, I think they landed what they were, what they were going for. Yeah. It was so it was, that, that was a very great, like, I almost stood up. Like I was like, yes, I will stand with you, Captain Marvel. Well, I think we've already established that you hate Captain Marvel, Chris, so you don't get to say that now. <laughs> but I like I the think, concepts, man, and 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 what they're the messaging in this movie are, is awesome. I think that's in the movie. That's where it worked the best for me. Totally. Uh, and and I wish that the rest of the film approached it from that same way. You know, there are lots of little things along the way which may be true. So you got to hear what I'm saying when I say this. Some of these things and some of these tropes and kind of sexist things that exist in the real world are true but not necessarily executed in this film in the best way like you have these things where the biker tells her to smile Mm -hmm. right and these other moments where other moments where male characters treat her a certain way or act a certain way but they stack up like a lot and they pick in what in my opinion what was the most obvious versions of those and so when it just happens over and over and over again and then you contrast it with that very elegant handling of it in that scene. I just wish the rest of the movie handled it in that same way. You movies like Mad Max, for example, or Alien, or even Wonder Woman to some degree that are similar in scope as far as the comic nature, but also central figure of a powerful woman. I think they all they all handled it in a way that I think this movie could have used a dose of. And that has nothing to do with the, you know, the internet trolls or anything like that. I just don't think the movie is as impactful uh, when it's being ham-fisted. Yeah, so. I honestly didn't think it was as on the nose as you're describing it. I mean, the two most on the nose for me that kind of annoyed me were the bikers, the biker guy. Like, that one was clearly on the nose. Um, and the other one was when she wanted, she asked her friend to go up with her. She was like, no, I need to stay back with my daughter. And the daughter's like, no, mom, what kind of example are you setting for me? And That's I was like, right. I, was like uh, yeah. I don't know that I would go on an outer space, like, deathly mission if I had a... I was a single mom but whatever I digress yeah no no I agree but even stuff like the very first scene where they're training and her her sensei or soldier is like you're too emotional which I guess yes a soldier could hypothetically say that I actually liked that they were saying the control your emotions because I think it kind of played out at the end because you know in in life right now you know a woman that gets angry you know they tell her to control your emotions but if a man doesn't he's passionate my issue with the control your emotions scene wasn't what he was saying that it being on the nose it was that she wasn't showing any emotion for him to be saying control your emotions that <laughs> yeah, confused yeah. me it was like why is he saying that she's not i don't see any emotion from her at all 
Well, yeah, and I think they were trying to equate her emotion. They're trying to equate that to her power. Her power is her emotion. And so when she gets angry, it comes out in her power. You know what I mean? So he's he sees the he see he's looking at the her her power and saying to control your emotions so that it wouldn't impact him. Everybody who is quote unquote in her life, the figure of uh, Jude Law saying that to her and then all, which was like her mentor. And then at the end of the film, it is the person she respects the most. Of course, it's the AI or the, you know, artificial intelligence saying it, but still it's the vestige of her uh, person. She respects the most saying, no, 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 you need to dial it down. You need to not be the person you were created to be, the woman you were created to be. And she decides in that moment, okay, all the other people are telling me I should just stay down. I should just take it. No, I'm going to stand. That for me was like, heck yeah. Like, that was wonderful. Freaking great. But you're right. And that's why I say it's more like a kid's movie. It is kind of, they literally speak it out. They don't just show it. They literally say... And kids, that's what's happening right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's unfortunate that it's not more subtle than that. That's not only criticism. I love the actual moment, though. For me, I was just like, yes, I want my kids to see this so much. Do you guys agree that this is better than Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yes. Yes. Chris? Mm. Chris, you're crazy. You love it. I mind tonight. I really liked Ant-Man and the Wasp quite a bit. So you liked Ant-Man and the Wasp but didn't like Infinity War. What is happening? What is wrong with your life? Infinity War was not a movie. It really was. It was just a series what of does that sequences. Even mean? Yeah. It was just, there was no plot. You what sound happened? like Steven Spielberg. It's what not happened? Netflix movies, not even a movie. Wait, no, no, no. Hang on. Tell me what happened in that movie. There, there, there was no, Listen, there's no first, second, and third act. There was no. I agree was, with you. You know that I feel like it's just a setup to the next piece. Yes. I agree. But yes. it's still, it's better than what you're saying. No, we're going to tell this epic story, but there's going to be a stopgap. And Ant-Man and the Wasp will tell none of that story. And neither will Captain Marvel. None of that story. We're going to have to wait for this. It just, to me, seems, I don't know, like wasted opportunity. So it doesn't you're make like any a sense. toddler who's mad because he doesn't get his toy. That's right. I'm a geek. It. I'm a wounded geek. Give me All right. Well, last thing in spoilers, and we can go to our top three. But I have to get, what did you guys think about the way, we haven't mentioned the cat at all. Love which has cat. become a massive <laughs> meme factory online. Sure. I, lo- I love the cat too. But did, what did you think about the way that Fury lost his so, eye? So dumb. So dumb. So Dumbest stupid. thing I've ever seen. So, so dumb. And evidently Fury has superpowers because he was scratched so severely that he's going to have to lose his eye. And he turns around with no blood or pain and just says, oh, it's just a scratch. What? What's happening? And he, like, and he's what fine. am I even watching? And he's fine with it. Yeah, I just wonder if we're going to get retroactive like... Fury has superpowers, and we just never. Well, here's the deal. I I have this vague memory. It's been a while since I watched. I think it was Civil War, where I thought he had an eye. It was something like he had been hiding it under his eye patch. Maybe I'm totally making that up. It, it, does anybody else have a memory of that? No, I don't okay, know. okay. No. It must be in my brain. So never mind. I, I have to bring up one more thing because this is my. It was my favorite part of the movie, and that was the scroll turn. Um, mm-hmm. Did you guys? Did you, were you expecting that? Like that blew me. That was my. It blew me away. I was like, wow, they're making the scrolls good guys. Because in the comics, they are not. I loved it. And it's funny because yeah. a lot of times you'll see movies where they do the twist where the bad guy is actually the good guy. But looking back, you're like, well, that guy did some really bad things for him to suddenly just be good. But I thought they right. did a really good job where it was believable that the scrolls were bad in the beginning. But then when the twist happened, I was like, oh, they really haven't done anything too terrible to where this is a believable twist. 
Well, and he owns it even. Yeah, I loved it. And later, I in the loved f- it. Later in the film, he says, "No, I'm not a good man. I've done horrible things, but it was all to protect my family." Like that was like, okay, right. all right, well done, Marvel. Like they do, <laughs> yeah. they do bad guys very well. And this is yet an- again. I think this is might be my favorite quote unquote villain storyline that I have seen from Marvel. Well, I was I actually blown think, away. I actually think Marvel does villains very poorly overall. Really? Oh, uh, I, I with with a few exceptions like uh in Black Panther in in Infinity War and you know one or two others. I think overall the villains are mostly bland. And so uh, <laughs> I agree here. Um I, I think Ben Mendelsohn is he's a phenomenal actor and even when he's hampered by so much makeup, there were a few times where I was like, okay, he's really struggling to talk through these prosthetics, but uh, he's such a phenomenal actor that this, the twist really laid on his shoulders and he carried it really well. Yeah. And when we find out that he's this family guy, you, you actually care. Like it's, it was amazing to me. You actually, I felt more enamored uh, with, with his character than I ever did with Captain mm-hmm. Marvel. Uh, I felt like, yeah, I want to follow him. Where is he going next? Because it just, I don't know. It, it really, that's because you're sexist really and you me. hate women. Yeah, that's Ooh. right. That's well, I mean, I, I wasn't going to say that on the podcast, but no, I think, I just think they did a great job there. I was, it was you sure expecting. are saying a lot of positive things for somebody that doesn't really like this movie, Chris. I'm no, kind of confused. I, you I said that you cheer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, it's like your favorite villain ever the, in Marvel. The, <laughs> but the, the the messaging and that scroll plot line made this movie for me and a little bit of Samuel Jackson's performance. Those things alone are worth worth seeing the movie for. I said you should see it in the theater. I just the rest of it just fell flat for me. It was un, I my my end thought is this movie was just uneven and it was unfortunate. It didn't have to be. I do think outside of the train fight, which I really enjoyed, the action is also fairly unremarkable. Mm-hmm. True. True. But. Agreed. All right. Does anybody have any last thoughts before we move into our jump cut? I'm excited for Endgame. Yes. Agreed. I'm not. Ugh, whatever. <laughs> oh You're so gosh. full of it, Chris. You're going to be there opening night like of a course I am in a candy store. <laughs> of course I am. All right. Well, let's go ahead and go to top three then. Three, two, one. The top three. This week for our top three, inspired by Carol Danvers' memory loss at the beginning of Captain Marvel, we are going to do our top three movies about memory loss. So you can interpret that however you want. We know Chris will. Uh, There are no rules, right? There are no rules for our top three. However you want to take memory loss or amnesia or whatever, uh, as long as characters forget something. That's all you need to count for this top three and so we're gonna we're gonna start with our number three and then we'll do some honorable mentions at the end we're gonna start with our guest april what is your number three movie about memory loss okay so my number three is kind of silly but it's 1987 overboard with goldie hawn and kurt russell (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) i know way back and it's i know it's it's not classic for any like film reason but i just have a lot of really good memories watching that as a kid and it makes me laugh i mean today it'd be totally creepy but they just remade it yeah i did not see the remake and it got horrible reviews so i just avoided but yes so that's my number three all right very good pick i actually have not seen overboard so starting off with one i haven't seen very good let's go to chris what's your number three pick uh for me it is Shutter Island, okay. man, that 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 did surprise me, and it is horrific. 
and it is an incredible film, uh, really well made. You really just can't keep your eyes, you know, away from it. it it's 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 pretty it's pretty incredible. So for me, Shutter Island. Very good. You know, I, I people. I think people love that movie a lot more than I do. I think that movie's good, but for like Scorsese, it's a little lesser. It's obviously very well made, sure. but I don't know. I'm not sure that I connect. Yeah, it to Chris, that one. it's not even a movie. What it's are you talking about? It's not even a movie. <laughs> it's a yeah. series of there's scenes. Not, there's there's not a plot in there at all. He's on a boat, and then who knows? <laughs> who knows what's happening that entire time? Oh man! All right, good pick, good pick. Uh, Chad, what's your number three movie about memory loss? This is the 100% truth and confirmation that April belongs on this podcast. My number three is Overboard. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I will screenshot it and I'll show it to you. I have, oh, watched, I have watched that movie a hundred times it's as so a kid. Funny. It's so I love funny. it so much. And I have, you know, I'm the oldest of six boys and there's a bunch of boys in that movie. And it was very similar to us in age. And we've watched that. I'm serious. We love that movie growing up. And it's, it's still, like you said, it's probably a little creepy today, but back in the day, it was just great. I loved it. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. I'm not ashamed. I'm not <laughs> rigged. Uh, for my number three, there, there, there's at least one or two movies in my honorable mentions that are that are better than my number three pick, but it just felt right to include this one. So my number three pick is The Hangover. Um, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. love yeah. The Hangover. So I think good. it's so good, so funny. One of the best comedies of the two thousands. And I live in Vegas now, so it just felt right to include it. So there you, there go. you go. It's great, and one of the all time drop offs between a part one and a part two. Yes, oh, that's true. Yes. Yes. I don't even remember a part two. It's kind of like uh, the characters in the first movie. I don't even remember it existing. Yeah. And there's there a part three? three. Yeah, there were three. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Oh. Yeah. Terrible. All right. We're going to move on to our number two picks. April, what do you have? I have the Born Identity for number two. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, really, I love the whole trilogy, but the Born Identity was great because it ends with like a semi happy ending because the girl's still alive. Mm, spoilers. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, I love the Bourne movies. So good. Bourne Ultimatum made too. my honor, uh, honorable mentions. I think Ultimatum's my favorite, but that's such a good series. All right, Chris, what is yeah. your number two movie about memory loss? And this almost was my number one, but it, number one was so obvious to me that I, I had to keep it there. But for me, The Sixth Sense is uh, an amazing, an amazing film. Huh. I, that movie still blows me away after repeat viewings. Um, so for me, The Sixth Sense. Interesting. That I, that one didn't didn't cross my mind, but I guess it counts. I guess yeah. I guess account. Yes, it counts. I didn't think of that as memory loss either. But. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it is. I mean, he's like, he's Chris like is going ghost, to. But. If there's a way that Chris can break the rules for the top three, he's going to find a way. People. Hey guys, hang on a second. Spoilers for the Sixth Sense, but he didn't remi- he didn't remember that he died. How is that not? in That's this true. list what what that's not even it's true he i think we're gonna have to go with... to the judges for a vote on this one <laughs> what do you mean this is this is not even what this is not even a question no, so it, good. there's a question i think you're right I'll, I'll give you that one i'll give you that one how is it a qu- what he thought he was alive when he was dead that's memory loss my friend sure <laughs> okay <laughs> but i guess the okay. question is if you're dead do you have memories so mm. anyway oh ooh, it just got philosophical wow wow <laughs> what, the, what are you what is happening right now move on please uh, all right fine chad what's your number two pick my number two is also a movie that i watched i can't even countless times as a kid and looking back on it the movie is not great but it has a very special nostalgic place in my heart and that is total recall the original mm-hmm. one with arnold schwarzenegger it's actually fairly crappy if you watch it now but 
I, it's just one of those things where I think it was one of my first exposures to science fiction and just this whole kind of idea that movies could be like that. So it's I loved it. So it's my number two. Your list is is truly surprising me tonight. All right. So uh, for my number two pick, I it's one of my favorite movies of all time. One of the best twists of all time, and just just so good. And that's Fight Club. I absolutely love that film. I would say that my, your argument for the sixth sense is the same argument that I would make for Fight Club, my friend. I, I don't see how that's true. The, my, <laughs> what? the main character isn't dead the, at all. What? He, he, he has, this is ridiculous. He has memory loss. He can't remember what happens half the time. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. How yeah, is exactly. that the same? Because it's the exact same thing. Just because of those exact twists? Same. Because Chris said it was the exact same thing. Didn't you hear him? <laughs> no, it's just as weak. Come Continue continue All right. with, your, with your weak about choices. top three lists. <laughs> I conceded more than Chad did. Don't be angry at yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, I think it's disqualified on technicality, but whatever. <laughs> uh, all right, we are on to our number one picks. April, what's your number one movie about memory loss? Okay, well, this is actually one of my favorite movies of all time also, but it is The Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. Mm. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I can say enough good things about it. It's just beautifully done, and it's very deep, and I just love that film. Yes, a masterpiece. Yes. Great pick. Great pick. Uh, Chris, what's your number one pick? Uh, I almost put uh, Inception on this list, but I did not um, because I thought only one Christopher Nolan pick would probably, you know, would do for the top three. I think the number one choice is obvious here, and that's Memento. Mm. That movie is fantastic it is a wonderfully made movie it is unlike any other film that i have ever seen masterfully created and it's it is literally what has given us the amazing talent of Kristen roland if that movie hadn't done so well um or had been so you know kind of a hit afterwards um i don't think we would have gotten uh, the stuff from from nolan after so i love memento so great great pick it's one of the rare, rare movies where it's 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 all centered around a gimmick like it's a gimmick of a movie it is but it, it is it works even though like it the gimmick never gets in the way of the movie and it still works yeah mm-hmm. so good absolutely uh all right chad what's your number one pick my number one pick is again a heart pick so quit making fun of me daniel because i like to get in touch with my emotions why is everybody yeah, mad daniel? at me tonight yeah I don't, what's going on he's daniel. picking at me he's like man your list is surprising yeah so <laughs> i freely admit that there are better films like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind that aren't in my top three so this is my heart pick although i will stand up and say that this is a phenomenally good film and that is Finding Nemo. Mm. I know it's cliche, <laughs> yeah. but it's one of my favorite Pixar films of all time. Yes. Oh, it's in my, my top two, and I love this movie. And have you know have I have a six year old son who's made me revisit this movie so many times that I can't even count it. And I love it every single time. So wow. Finding Nemo that's, is that's definitely a Chris pick right there because Dory can't remember stuff. I mean, come on, I mean. Come, come on, guys. I mean, you can do better than this, Chad. Well, what we don't know is that Dory is actually dead she's and she's dead been the a filet <laughs> that somebody ate. When when I said that there were movies in my honorable mentions that were probably better than The Hangover, that are better than The Hangover, uh, I was referring to Finding Nemo for sure. That was my number three at first, and I and I bumped it out for The Hangover. But oh, I love it so much. So, so, so good. And for my number one pick, I 
agree with Chad that uh, April was a right choice for this episode because my number one is also Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Nice. Yes. So, so good. So inventive and emotional. One of the most original films I have ever seen. Yeah. It moves me every single time I've seen it. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, one of the best screenplays ever. I just, I love that movie so, so much. All right, so those are our top three movies about memory loss. Uh, I'm sure we have plenty of honorable mentions. April, do you have any you want to throw out? The all, I actually had several of y'all's. I had Memento and Shutter Island on my honorable mentions. And one that I considered, but it was never one of my favorites, but it's just a really good film, is The Notebook. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. There's no shame in the notebook. I will stand up, up for it. <laughs> nice. Great picks. Uh, Chris, honorable mentions. Total Recall and Inception, the Bourne trilogy, but the one that hadn't been noted uh, uh, mentioned yet was 12 Monkeys. Uh, that movie, another Bruce Willis twist at the end, realizing who he is. A really, really great film. Nice. 12 Monkeys. Chad? Uh, the only one that I had that hasn't been mentioned, I had The Born Identity was originally number three for me, but one that I like, but probably is not good enough to be up there, but I I did like it, is Fifty First Dates, Adam Sandler. <laughs> mm-hmm, I like it. Yeah. I think it's good, Drew Barrymore. That's good. Nice. Uh, yeah, most of mine have been mentioned, Finding Nemo, Born Ultimatum, uh, Memento. I have uh, Still Alice on there, really great movie uh, about Alzheimer's. Um, The Majestic, which I haven't seen in many years, but I I remember really... I love that movie. Yeah, I remember really loving that movie, Uh, so that that one was great. And then uh, While You Were Sleeping, great rom-com to to balance things off there. All right, so those are my honorable mentions, and let us know what your top three movies about memory loss are. We want to hear from you and what you thought about Captain Marvel, so make sure you chime in, join in the conversation. You can comment uh, on our Facebook post. You can also tweet at us what you thought. We want to hear from you. Uh, That's the best way to interact with us, uh, so make sure to chime in on social media. We want to thank April. Thank you so much for joining with us. It's been an awesome episode. Yes, yes, applause for April. thanks. Hope to have you back very soon. All right, thanks, everybody, and we will see you next time when we'll be reviewing Triple Frontier, a Netflix original. We'll see you then. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.